0: This episode is brought to you by yours truly. Uh, fat loss for type ones is now open for enrollment. And so if you are a guy or a gal who has been struggling to lose weight and fat loss has been on your to-do list, one of your goals for 2019, then you might want to check it out. You can go to the enrollment page. It is diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash fat loss. And you can read all the details. I'm super excited that we are now ready and open for enrollment for the next couple weeks. So um, if that's something that you're interested in, do check it out before the doors close. In celebration of Fat Loss for Type 1s, my brand new program that is now open for enrollment, we are going to kick off this episode with a couple questions that came in from our listeners on this course and and if it's even a good fit, like what it's all about. And just so you know, when I first started my fitness journey, like one of the hardest things for me was just figuring out what kind of diet and workout program was going to work best with my diabetes. So basically I've put together a program that is going to, it it just teaches you how to customize everything so that you can actually lose fat in a sustainable way that supports your blood sugars so that you can actually lose the weight and keep it off for good. And it teaches you step-by-step how to do everything. And it's, it's basically, I mean, I, work with people one-on-one, but this is really just putting everything into one place so that you learn how to do it yourself without having to spend the money on hiring a coach because Hey, not all of us have that kind of income and I really wanted this to be affordable for everyone and um, it's basically just everything that I wish I had at the beginning of my fitness journey. So if you want to check that out, it is diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash fat loss and we'll dive into a couple questions here before we get started with this episode. The first question we have is, I have already worked with nutritionists and tried fat loss programs and nothing's worked before. How do I know that fat loss for type ones is going to be a good fit for me and help me lose weight? This is a really good question. And um, basically what it comes down to, I I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but depending on what sort of uh, nutrition plans you have tried, the the very number one thing that you need to do in order to lose weight is maintain a calorie deficit. And uh, so this program just teaches you how to uh, properly figure out like how much food your body needs, how many calories you need in order to lose fat, how much protein, fats, and carbs your body needs. And then we really work together and like customize it to you. And, um, when it comes to your blood sugar management stuff, I teach you how to adjust your macros, like the amount of carbs your body needs in order to keep your blood sugar stable. Um, So that's going to be super important for you if you have not done that and just how to track everything. Like it's really important that you are tracking your food intake and your body weight when you are trying to lose weight, because especially when you have type 1 diabetes, just all of those little hypo snacks and little things that you don't really think about can add up really quickly. So I just show you really easy ways to do this so that you can actually stay on track and not feel so guilty uh, just eating those those foods that you r- really don't have any control over not eating or whether or not you eat them, so and the next question we have here is I already track my food intake and i 'm already mindful of macros and familiar with them, but i 'm still not losing weight. Is this program a good fit for me? This is also a very good question. So when it comes to macros, if you are familiar with them and you are already tracking your food intake, what's important is that you are adjusting your macros and your calories every, every couple weeks, like probably every one to three weeks, but you really need to know how to do this. And you need to be able to just make adjustments, whether it's through diet or exercise or a combination of both, because what happens is your body will adapt to the amount of exercise you're doing and the amount of food you're doing. So when you are in a fat loss phase and you're tracking your food and you're uh, uh, just accounting for everything that you're eating. It's important that you are making the proper adjustments so that you can continuously keep losing weight. And, uh, that's going to be really important. So inside fat loss for type ones, I teach you exactly step-by-step how to do all this. So if you already are tracking your food intake, but you're not familiar with actually making adjustments to your program, then this program can still be beneficial to you. And if you have a question, like if you are serious about losing fat this year and you have a question that you, um, you're, you're like, Oh, this sounds interesting. I kind of want to know more. If you have a question, don't hesitate to reach out. I will be here and I'm answering all questions. So you can go, go ahead and just send me a DM or email me. I'll link to my contact info here in the show notes. So if this sounds interesting to you, but you just want a little bit more information, don't hesitate to reach out. All right, let's dive into the episode. All right, we're going to start at the beginning. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was nine years old. So this was 1999, I believe. Yes. And one of my first memories after my diagnosis, like after the hospital and everything, I mean, I have memories during that time as well but one of them the things that stands out the most for me was this one time okay so I was born on this very small island in British Columbia Canada um, so when we would go to the city to like go shopping or whatever we would have to take this ferry and the ferry was about two and a half hours one way um, to get to the city to Vancouver so I remember I was nine, I think I was like nine or 10 years old. And my mom was taking me and my friend who also had type one diabetes. So this was someone I had met, um, through, it was my doctor at the time. Like they would have these little, uh, diabetic meetups with like the families and stuff. And she was someone that I connected with. We later on, like our relationship fell through, but when we were very young, um, we, we did stuff together. So my mom was taking us to Vancouver and this was a time when like the pens didn't exist. So we were using like the old school injections and we were sitting in the cafeteria because on the ferry, they have this cafeteria where you grab the food and you sit and have lunch. So I remember being so young and just oblivious to the fact that I was different, I guess. Right. Like I I was just, I just remember being happy and carefree and just whatever. And I never had a feeling before that my diabetes was something that was bad or <laughs> that people wouldn't accept. I just was like, okay, I have this thing. Like it was shitty going through it, but you know, I have it. So whatever. And I remember we were sitting there. I and, and my friend, we were both just about, To bowls for our lunch, so we pulled out our needles that we were, we were, um, like loading them up, and um, this woman sitting at a table next to us, she had her kids. I think she had like three kids. And guys, this was a time when, like, it wasn't super common for people to have diabetes. And the girl that I hung out with, she was like the only person that I even knew, and she didn't even live in the same town as I did. So. It was something like no one at my school even have had it. So I always felt super kind of alone, I guess, just growing up with diabetes. But we were sitting there and we were we pulled out our injections. And this woman, I remember looking over just like do to do like all carefree. And she was like horrified. She like immediately she was like oh my god she grabbed her kids and the look on her face was just like so like horrified beyond horrified and she grabbed her kids and she immediately left like left their food it was just like happened so fast and I remember thinking like all of a sudden my heart just sunk and I remember feeling like what like are they leaving because of me like did I do something so it was after this event that happened that I started feeling very self-conscious about my disease and I refused to give myself injections in public. Like I would, I refused to give injections in front of anyone. I felt so like, I I just didn't want to be the reason that people, like, I didn't want people to look at me and, and think I was like, Some sort of like evil person or like doing something wrong. Like I just felt like, you know, it was kind of like something that I shouldn't do in front of people. And I became very self conscious of my disease uh, from that point moving forward. And I was homeschooled most of my life, so I never really had to deal with other kids making fun of me or anything like that when I was first diagnosed. But then when I was 11 years old, I begged my mom – I might have been 11 or 12 – I begged my mom to let me go to public school or to school in general. I just really wanted to – try it out. And she was always a little bit more hesitant because she didn't have a very good experience going to school. So she went through the teacher's training and she uh, just homeschooled my sister and I, which I feel very, very unbelievably grateful for now. Like I'm definitely homeschooling my kids when I have them one day, but I did, there was a time when I was like, okay, I'm ready. I want to go to school. I want to see what it's all about. So grade six, I went to school. Grade seven, I went to school. I tried very hard to hide my diabetes I it, it was um, a little bit more difficult and then my parents divorced when I was 11 so they separated and that was a very hard time for me that was very challenging and some other traumatic experiences happened during that time. So by the time I, then I went to so I first went to private school and then I went to public school and for grade eight and then things kind of just spiraled like it there were just so many things happening in my life and then be becoming a teenager, And I'm sure you know, like, teenage years are not friggin' easy. Like, they're pretty difficult. And so just with all of those hormones and everything going on, like, I became very angry. I was just – I just didn't know how to deal with my anger. And so I started drinking when I was 14. And I don't think this is something a lot of people talk about, right? Like, it's it's not really (laughs) looked at as, you know, something that's good or – that people want to share, but I think especially being diabetic too, I mean, we should talk about these things because they are important. And so I started drinking at 14 and then, you know, I started doing drugs when I was 15 or 16. And I just kind of, I, I became that rebellious teen that kind of just like spiraled out of control. And it wasn't that I didn't care about my diabetes or my health, but I I just didn't want to think about it. Like I just had so much built up like aggression and just, the last thing on my mind was how are my blood sugars today? You know, and that could be how every teen is, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for a teen, but then it's going to be especially hard for the parents too. And I think for someone on either end, like just going through a situation like that, just knowing that it's, it's normal and that no matter which end you're on, like you're not alone. And something my mother shared with me later on was that I really scared her during those years like it was very scary for her to because she could obviously see you know what I was doing but I I I didn't tell her anything like my parents were very good at being very honest and open and you know they'd be like all right like you know, if you're going to drink, we're, we're going to do it here at the house. Like, you know, they just, they wanted to be very open and very, instead of, you know, I'm going to ground you or whatever. They, they just really wanted us to, as kids, me and my sister to feel comfortable to share things with them and to have our home, a safe space to experiment. So I think, um, just looking back like that, that was good on their part because it's a more controlled environment. Um, And just going through situations like that. But I had so much anger and so much resentment that I, you know, me and my mom... We fought as kids. We're very close now. But when I was a teenager, we did not get along. And my dad's girlfriend was very um, like mentally, like emotionally uh, and verbally abusive to me. So I didn't get along with her. And, I, and it, I just had so much anger. And so I wouldn't share things with my parents. Like I would lie to them about things that I was doing. And my mom did say, she was like, you scared me so much when you were a kid. And, you know, I, if, if I could go back, I, that's one thing I feel terrible about is just, you know, how I treated my mom when I was a teenager. But I think all of those lessons just kind of make you the person you are today. And, you know, they just kind of make you that much stronger and the things that you have to work through. And I, and when I look back now as a teenager, I just had a lot of things that I didn't know how to deal with properly. So that was challenging, but the whole drinking thing and just kind of going crazy led to, um, me not taking care of of my body or my health. And, uh, so I started gaining a lot of weight. Like I just didn't fucking care, excuse my French, but I just really, I didn't care. And then all of the sudden, okay. So this was like just getting into high school. And then it's like, I started caring about how I looked and I had like my, 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 people in my family would, you know, make, they would be like, all right, like maybe you shouldn't eat that. Or, you know, like my mommy, especially cause she's always been super fit and like very health conscious. I mean, both my parents, but my mom's always been, um, um, just like smaller. And so she, like, she wasn't saying it in a way to make me feel bad, but she was more trying to like protect me because she could see what I was doing and just like not caring. And she was trying to make me, you know, just realize, but that you know as a rebellious teen like do you think I'd want to listen <laughs> no so it was that but then also I, my boyfriend like I had boyfriends that would make like comments about my weight and so then I all I all of a sudden started thinking like okay like am i fat like it was just one thing that it was like my diabetes I never really thought about it before but then I was just all these unhealthy habits and things that I was doing and then all of a sudden people started saying shit and I'm like okay and then I started feeling not so great. And then I started dating um, this guy and then his mom would make comments about my weight and, oh, but it's just because you have diabetes, it, you know, it's just your diabetes. And then that would make me feel even more shameful, not even about my body, but like my, then my diabetes too, on top of everything else, it was just like one thing after another, just stacking up. And I feel like, you know, we are influenced at such a young age, and even you know, when our teens are hard as well. So, high school, <laughs> this all was going down, and so I became very self conscious, and even more so. But now it's like my body image, and I started to feel ashamed of just eating food. I started to feel embarrassed about food, and I started to associate with food as something that wasn't wasn't good. Like it w- wasn't looked at as something that was good. So, um, it it actually got to the point where I actually developed this fear to eat food in front of people because I felt like people were judging me when I ate. And I know it sounds crazy, but I developed this feel. So I, I started to just starve myself all day. Like I wouldn't eat. And then as soon as my mom would go to bed, I would, that's when I would eat and I would binge eat. And when I look back now, it's like, this just alone is not healthy for you at all. Because when you are trying to lose weight, like you want to, you want to stay consistent and you want to eat food, like food is fuel. Um, and, and when you go through long periods of not eating, I don't know if you've ever been at work and you like miss a meal and then you come home and you're like, oh my God. And you just you like eat everything in sight. So that's how it was, which obviously was not going to make me lose weight at all. If anything, it probably contributed to my weight gain and to just my unhealthy eating habits and this vicious cycle that I was on for years of not being able to lose any weight. And these cycles too, just kind of uh, propelled into other unhealthy habits. Like as I got older into my later teens and even into my early twenties, where I would go through periods where I would starve myself because I needed to lose weight. And then I remember one time I would be on, I was on the bathroom floor, like trying, like all I had eaten was a few carrots that day. And I was like trying to just eat like the most minimal food. And I was just like hunched over in pain on the bathroom floor because I hadn't eaten, um, a proper meal. And it was, it was pretty horrible. And then I went through stages where I would like eat something and feel guilty and then like been like, go throw it up or something like those times too. And when I, and it's just so when knowing what I know now, and I mean, all of those, those times, that I had to go through, is just kind of led me to where I am now. So I wouldn't change anything, but just knowing what I know now, it's like those painful moments totally could have been prevented. Anyways, I actually moved out when I was 18 years old and I was still, that was my graduating year. So I was just graduating high school and I was also working full-time. So I started working when I was 16 years old. My very first job was as a hostess at this restaurant. It's called Boston Pizza. So that was my very first job. And then I started working at a tanning salon and I was always very hardworking and juggling like a million different things. And I remember I would go on dates and I, I was just so self-conscious of my diabetes. Like I just did not want to be different. And I, I remember like trying to find, you know, just research other people that I could look up to that had type one diabetes. And just I couldn't find anyone and then I would go to the diabetes clinic and like all the diabetes educators would be older and I would just be like oh like why (laughs) you know like I just felt like there was no one that I could relate to and so I always just felt so kind of like alone and of course you know social media didn't exist back then either so there was no such thing as a community um So I always felt super alone and I always wanted to modeling and acting. So I would go to auditions and I was always putting myself out there. And then a lot of the time I would just feel even more inadequate because the other girls would look a certain way and they would have nice bodies. And then I would go to my audition and I would just feel like I wasn't as good as they were because of how I looked. And then I, I would I remember going on dates and I was so self-conscious that I would literally not give myself insulin until like after the meal, like until I got home, I would just let my blood sugars go crazy because I was that embarrassed to inject in front of them. Like, honestly, guys, I didn't tell any of the guys I went on dates with that I actually had diabetes. I remember like staying over at a guy's house once, um, even when I was, I think I was like 17 or 18 and he didn't even know I had diabetes and Or I I didn't even want to like tell them I that I had to go to the bathroom to just inject my insulin like I was so self-conscious and um, and then I also was self-conscious about low blood sugar and you know if I had a low early in the morning I remember when I one of my first boyfriends like staying at his place and. My blood sugar would go low and I would just be like, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And I would almost go into this weird like blackout state where I don't really remember anything. I remember like I think I said something to him that was that he found offensive, but I literally have no recollection because my blood sugar had just gone so low. And at that time, I think I had a bit of glucagon still like my body produced a little bit of it. So I would actually go really low, but then my glucagon would kick in. And I think this this might happen to some people, but I don't think it happens to me anymore but it did when I was younger. And then I would just end up skyrocketing. So I would, I would really push it to the limits and I would really just, just try to ride it out, which is not good. (laughs) Um, but that, that's what happened really. And then I moved out when I was 18. Um, I moved in with my boyfriend. So I was working and just trying to get it together. And then a lot of my boyfriends too, like they, when, You know, they would cheat on me or we'd have a falling out. And I actually listened to this uh, thing the other day that said that relationships go through different stages. And I mean, these are, you know, past relationships when I was really young. So these are they always say, like, relationships that you have when you're younger are going to be some of the toughest because those are the ones that you're going to, like, learn the like these lessons from that are going to help you out in your later life. So I don't know if that's true, but that's something that I did here. And some of the stages when you are in a relationship, it's like the first stage is that honeymoon stage. And then you get to the power struggle phase, which is when, um, just you start like little, like little things will start bothering you or it's more so of like that little nagging thing or, um, and what it comes down to is just like certain needs that aren't being met And so it's this whole thing. It's not a matter of like, if it's going to happen, it's just a matter of when it's going to happen. So I think when I look back, like all of my relationships went through these stages. And then when something would happen, you know, I've had a few boyfriends that cheated on me and it would always go, go back to my mind would always go back to the place of like, I'm not good enough. Like it's because I'm fat or, you know, all of those emotional things that had happened when I was younger and just how... I felt about my body over time, just anything that had happened to me that was like really emotionally tough, I would always just think it was because of how I looked. And actually, that girl that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, when we were injecting our insulin together when we were super young, she actually... Uh, slept with one of my boyfriends, like in my teenage years, so that that was our falling out. So it was just all of these like tumultuous times, and I'm sure you can relate to times in your life that have just, when you look back at, at your your teenage years, you're like, oh, thank God I'm not there anymore. But on the bright side, there's so many lessons that you learn and life only gets better with age, right? So um, long story short, then I I was just done working these odd jobs and just I'm like, I need to get my life together. So I decided that I wanted to go to school for cosmetic laser, so medical aesthetics, because I was like, oh, you know, it's something that I'll, I can do and kind of like have my own it'll be like my own thing like wherever i work i can just kind of contract myself out like it's perfect and i i think what i didn't know back then but what i was really searching for was just to have more freedom like i just i i've always had this weird thing where i don't like being controlled and any sort of situation where i feel like someone's trying to control me or i don't have freedom or like i get super claustrophobic and it's almost like i can't breathe and i'm just like like i have to get like put myself out there and like just get remove myself from that situation. So, I went to Arizona and I went to school for cosmetic laser. It was this course that I took and it was I think it was like 3 or 4 weeks long and then I I moved ended up moving to the city, so to Vancouver and to start start this career and it was actually really hard for me at first to like get into it. And then after a while I was like, "Man, this is not for me." Like I was literally like lasering dudes like nuts and like shaving dudes assholes and like laser like it was just it was not glamorous. I'm like this is not what I signed up for. And so I worked at another place and it was just, you know, it wasn't for me. So I then I transitioned and I started working as a booking agent for a Uh, promotional modeling and events agency which was life-changing because if anything uh, you know it was like I gained so much self-confidence through that and the the woman who owned the company she's one of my best friends she is a mentor to me she's like a sister and I will forever be grateful for that experience but it really was it was tough and it was something that really um, threw me into the fire and you know took me out of my shell and just made me see a whole new outlook on life and a newfound respect for myself. And during this time, I was also going to acting auditions and I was just working really hard and I was still trying to get in shape. And um, it just things just weren't happening. And then we and then I ended up going to India, I went on this like three month long uh, vacation, I guess you could call it a vacation, I went trekking through the Himalayas in 2013. And that was life changing, it kind of brought a whole new perspective to life and just all of the things that we take for granted for like, you know, even brushing your teeth with water, like that I was like, wow, you know, we take so many things for granted here at living in North America and it, just how other people live and how humbling it is and how happy other people are when they have so much less. And it's just not about the things you have. And it's more about just the memories that you're creating and how you're feeling on the inside. And it's it just it was really eye opening. And the guy that I was dating at the time, I had always told him from the, I remember the very beginning of our relationship, I said, one day I am going to move to California because when I was 12 years old, I went on this trip to Hollywood with my friend, one of my best friends and her mom. And we were only here for a few days, I think. And then ever since then, I was like, I'm going back there. Like, I'm not sure what the poll was because we didn't, I mean, yeah, we, it wasn't like we were here for a long, long time. And that was like many years ago. I, I didn't even come back to visit since then. And I didn't have any friends here. I didn't know anyone, but I just always knew I was like one day I'm moving to California. Like that's it. <laughs> and I remember telling him that and he was like, oh, okay, like whatever. And then he ended up proposing to me and it was just, it was one of those things where like, I just, I think I knew in my gut, like it just wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't the one. And I'm at the same time. I don't know if that's even a thing where I've never ex- really experienced that feeling where you're like, yes, like I'm going to be marrying that person. You know, like, I don't know if that's exists. I mean, maybe it does for some people, but I think when we're with someone, there's it's because there's lessons that there's meant that we're meant to learn. And so, <laughs> I just I knew it wasn't gonna work out. So then we I got back from India and I was like, all right, I'm moving to California. And he, I think I don't think he believed me at first, but then sure enough, like I packed up my little car, didn't know anyone. I I actually went on Craigslist and found my roommates. Never had a roommate before, and uh, then I just packed up my car. I remember my dad. I stayed at his house and he woke up super early. I think I, I hit the road at like 6am and he took a picture of us before I left. And I remember him just standing there waving and I, I, I just left. And then I drove all the way by myself. I drove to through, down the coast, um, through Oregon. I stayed in this really crappy hotel, but I felt so free. You guys, like it was one of those things. Like I, my car was so full that I couldn't even see out the back window, but I was like, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just like, you know, this, like I meant to do it. And I was just so happy. And like, I felt so free. And I remember going through the, on the border, like going through Seattle and the guys like, um, so you're moving. Cause I'm like from Canada, but I have dual citizen. And I remember like the only piece of paper I had was my, uh, I didn't, I don't, I think I might've had my passport, but I had like a a citizen, my United States citizenship or something that was like on this piece of paper. And I didn't want to tell him that I was moving because I didn't want to pay like the fee to import my car over. And so I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm just going for work, like going to check it out. And then he kind of like looked at all the stuff in my car and he was like, okay, well, good luck. And I was like, thanks. (laughs) And that was it. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So I, I was in California and I ended up not too long after actually breaking up with my boyfriend, which was one of the hardest things I did. I, I waited way too long, but that's another lesson that I learned. And what I did actually, so, cause I know it's different when you, are not from the United States originally, because in Canada, we have universal healthcare. So um what I did was I got traveler's insurance. And I because honestly, I knew in my heart that I was never going back to where I came from. Like I knew that I just was it's not it wasn't gonna happen. It wasn't like an option. <laughs> but I also, I mean, I didn't have a job. I, I literally didn't have anything you guys like it wasn't like I was moving for a job like I had nothing set up the only thing I had was like a room that I didn't even know how I was going to afford rent basically I was just really just winging it (laughs) so I had my traveler's insurance with and I brought like as much insulin as possible like as much supplies i had told my pharmacy before i left i was like i'm going away for 3 months this is what i did when i left for india so i grabbed like all the supplies they would let me have for that time i think you know if if you do if you are going away on holiday you can ask your pharmacy and they'll override for the time that you're away so that's what i did and then um, th- I did have to go back. I actually went back to Canada for friends wedding that fall. Um, So I moved in April of 2014. And then it was like the fall that I went back and I grabbed a whole bunch more supplies um, because I just had traveler's insurance. And so I kept renewing my traveler's insurance. And um, I just kind of pretended like I was on a super long vacation because <laughs> I didn't have a job. So and I didn't have medical and I didn't have income basically. So it was, um, yeah, basically that was it. It was a little bit, it was actually really difficult at first. I'm not even, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like I kind of hit rock bottom for a little bit, but just so you know, if you ever have thought about moving somewhere or doing something, but you have a fear that's holding you back, maybe it is because of your medical supplies or whatever it is, I just want you to know that there's always a way. And when you are meant to do something like it's always going to work out and it's not about figuring out how it's going to work out because that's just going to put you in a like because you just sometimes like things will happen where you wouldn't even have like thought of them before and then it'll happen and you're like, wow, and it just works out. So don't ever let something that something like that stop you from going for something that you want and try not to overanalyze everything, even though I know that's hard to do sometimes, but just when it's meant to be, it will happen. So I'm in California and I'm trying to find work and it's super stressful. And a lot of nights I just end up sitting on my bedroom floor bawling my eyes out because I feel like such a loser because my dad's literally helping me with my expenses and I can't find work and I go to auditions and I just get keep getting turned down and I'm applying to modeling jobs and I had you know people would be like oh we already have too many blonde girls on our roster or they'd be like mm, some like you're you you just don't have the look like you're too too fat basically I didn't say that, but basically, right. That's exactly where my mind went. And then I even had someone that was like, Oh, like you're, he said like, you're too muscular, but literally I was not muscular. Then (laughs) I think it was just the picture that I sent. But anyways, just, you know, when you put yourself out there in the industry, you're going to get all sorts of different opinions. And what I really learned from it is like, Everyone has a different opinion of what beautiful looks like. And so it's really important not to try to fit into anyone's box of perfection or anyone else's box of what they think beautiful is, because it really is such a individual thing. And so you really just need to focus on yourself. Like, do you? That's all that matters. So then my roommate at the time was trying a juice cleanse for the first time. It was the hot thing to do in California. So I was like, sure, why not? I'll, I'll try that. And I started juicing and then I started to lose weight and it was, and then I'm still like applying for stuff. And then I get a call back for it was um, to do a playboy test shoot. And so I was like, sure, why not? And I was right in the middle of doing this juice cleanse and I probably, well, 110%, I shouldn't have done this, but I was like, you know, I'm losing weight, so I might as well just keep juicing. And so I go to my, my Playboy test shoot, and then I ended up getting a callback for to do Playboy radio. And I wasn't going to tell you guys this, because this is all just like, but it's all part of my history. And it, you know, I always, I used to be so worried about like what other people would think of me. And so it's like, I would be careful of what I would share with certain people, but I'm, I'm a hundred percent transparent here. Like I don't, I don't care whether or not someone agrees with it. It's just all part of my history and my story. So anyways, and then I, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep juicing. So long story short, I, I juiced for way too long. I lost a lot of weight, also lost a lot of my hair and, um, it completely messed up my metabolism and I, I became in, like obsessed with my body image even more so and realized like I and it was also very degrading too so after I did Playboy Radio I was like um that's not for me but I, I made a lot of really good friends through Playboy so I still hung out with that crowd even though I wasn't actively like doing work for them and um but I I just I also kind of just spiraled down this this path of just more self destruction, because I was trying so hard to fit in and to have a perfect body, like, life story here. (laughs) Um, And so I was actually starting to feel good about myself. But then as soon as I started introducing solid foods back into my diet, because my body had adapted to eating such little food and my metabolism was so messed up that I completely gained all of the weight back plus more. And, uh, it w- it was a very, this was, it was a very difficult time for me because it was like, there was nothing that I could do. And, when, when you are in a situation like this, it's really important, first of all, that you know you are eating the right amount of food for your body, which I didn't know that back then. I didn't know any of this. And it, so this is part of the reason why I think the lesson was to learn it and then be able to teach other people so that you guys don't make the same mistakes that I did. But um, you really want to make sure you're fueling your body properly because when you're eating too little food, then your body will adapt And so you kind of have to rebuild your metabolism in order to get it back into a place where it can start working properly and you can start burning fat again efficiently. Um, So that's basically what happened to me, except I gained a lot of weight, you guys, like I was the heaviest I think I'd ever been. And um, so and then I was also trying to find work. And then I ended up getting into working these like underground poker parties. So, and it was good money. It sounds super sketchy. And then through that, I ended up uh, meeting someone who got me a job working reception at this post-production sound studio. And here I met my now boyfriend and I also learned a lot of lessons. One of them being that I will never work in a corporate job ever again. It was not for me. The, the women there were I mean, I guess I've always gone through these periods where women just – maybe they just get jealous of me. And I've always had situations where women would either just be really mean to me or they would just – like, it would be like a fake friendship or they would like ghost me or there was always this sort of just not like, I just, I, it was just very hard. I, I think I, what I did was I made up a story in my head that women were bitches and they were hard to get along with and that they didn't like me. And so this, I, I noticed this a lot here, but um I, I learned a lot of lessons too, because I learned how how never to manage like a business you know like the manager is there this the skill set it just it all of it was very toxic and i would come home some nights and i would just start crying because it was just it to be honest it just wasn't in alignment with my soul's purpose and so i tried working my way up the ladder and then i realized you know this this is not what i want to do this is not this is not for me. And so I stepped down, um, doing producing. And then I was trying to build my own business at the same time, because I was like, I'm giving myself a year, you know, and then I'm done. And I just got to stick it out for a year. And I, so I started helping, I offered to help them out with the social media for the company because I was like, Oh, you know, like I'm trying to build my own business too. So, you know, it'll, it'll help. And I've always been very proactive. Like, if I want something, I work hard for it and I don't stop until I get it. And I think, I don't know if you've ever taken the Enneagram test, but I'm a type three on the Enneagram. So it, yeah, I'm just very, uh, dedicated and determined. (laughs) And it could be also to my Scorpio nature. I am a Scorpio and, um, And then I realized they just kind of took advantage of me there and all of it happened for me, not to me. I ended up emailing the owner of the company to say like, Hey, uh, I can't, um, like you guys are going to have to hire someone to do the social media for the company because it's just not like, I can't effectively do it. Like, it's just not, it's just too much, you know, like there's, I'm, there's like, actors coming in and like working the front desk. And then of course I'm like trying to do my own thing. (laughs) Um, and it was just too much. And I felt like I wasn't getting paid enough for it. And that's another lesson. It's like, guys, if you are ever in a situation where you feel like you're getting taken advantage of, or you're not getting paid, like the amount that you should be, I mean, obviously you need to work your way up, like whatever you're doing in your life, Mm -hmm. but just stand up for yourself because when, when you do, and when things are meant to happen, like it'll either, it'll reward you somehow, you know, like if they get mad at you and like what happened to me is I'd never heard back a couple days later, got called into the office and ended up getting laid off. And I was thrilled. I was like, Oh my, like, they were all like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Like, and they were so the HR was so apologetic. But in my mind, I'm like, thank you, universe. Like now I can just focus on my own business. And um. but just so I'm just saying, like, no matter if you stand up for yourself in a situation where you feel like you are taking advantage of, then you're either going to get what you want or the universe is going to close that door. So a new one and a better one can open for you. And I think one of the best things that we can do is just stay open to change because you might have an idea of how you want your life to look or if you have a goal that you're working towards. And when it doesn't work out how you picture it in your head, it's so easy to get disappointed or to think that you failed, but really everything's happening for you. And so often our path will always pivot and it will look a lot different than when we first set out. But when you look back, I really believe that you will take all of these, you know, whether it's a job or these things that happen and it will, it, they'll all just make sense at some point. And I also believe that it's really important to just become More self aware, and I feel that being type 1 diabetic, you already have a lot more self awareness than most people. But self awareness is one of the greatest things that you can master, and it's just important to acknowledge your fear, but don't let your fear take the driver's seat because how you're going to get ahead in life is to acknowledge your fear, but just do the thing anyways. And you don't even have to believe that you're capable or that it's possible. You don't need to know how it's going to happen. All you need to do is just do it. And everything, if it's meant to be, it'll just flow. And that's, that's one thing that I really believe. And I want you to know as well. So don't let fear take the driver's seat. It's not about what you believe you can do It's about doing the damn thing. Anyways, even if you're uncertain and you might not see it right now, but I know that when you put your mind to something, you are capable of moving mountains. You got this. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in today. And guys, if you can take it just a couple seconds and sub- subscribe, if you can subscribe to this podcast, I am going to send you the biggest virtual hug right now in this moment. It means so much to me and it will really ensure that you don't miss out when we have new episodes that are dropped every single week. And when we have new bonus ones that are dropped because there are some special things coming up soon. And also if you are interested in checking out the fat loss for type ones course that is now open for enrollment, just go ahead and go to diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash fat loss. And all the details will be there. And next week, we are going to be chatting about the top fat loss mistakes that most people make and how to avoid them. So so be sure to subscribe and we'll talk to you next week.